It is episode 29 of the Purely Pigskin Podcast. We are making our way through the NFL playoffs, and what a weekend of action we have just witnessed. I cannot wait to get into the action of the AFC and NFC divisional rounds this week. And here with me to talk about all of that and more is my good friend, Colin Bannister. Colin, how you doing, man? I'm good, Pete, especially after this weekend. That was, uh, uh, needless to say, that was a lot of fun. So it's going to be fun to be with you this week and talk about things. And uh, yeah, we, we might have witnessed possibly the greatest weekend of football that anybody has ever seen or maybe ever will see. I have to agree with that. I mean, all four games came down to the last play to decide the winner. You simply cannot get any better than that. Four great games, four super tight matchups, four winners, four losers. A lot of people went home happy and a lot of people went home sad. You almost don't know where to start uh, with a weekend like this because every game was was just so fantastic. But let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. Of course, the Titans were the one seed. They had the first round by. They were my pick to come out of the AFC once we, we had our playoff teams arranged. But the Bengals had other plans. And once again, they came out on top in a close one. 19 to 16. Uh, what were your thoughts on this game? Because there was a lot to talk about here. Well, I think the biggest thing that I took from it was the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals allowed Joe Burrow. Now, I shouldn't say it that way because I think some of, of this was on Joe Burrow, but he was sacked nine times, right? Sacked That's a playoff times. record. And it's, it, well, it, it's a playoff record, but any game that your quarterback gets sacked nine times and you win. It leaves you boggled. It leaves you like, what just happened? Because, I mean, I didn't look it up, but, I mean, he was sacked nine times. So my question is, how many times was he hit? How many times was he pressured? And yet, still, he threw 28 of 37 for 348. And he only threw, now he didn't throw any touchdowns. He threw a pick. But, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to throw that many yards. Like, it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I uh, I give the young quarterback credit. Some people I heard were saying that he held the bell too long and, you know, he, he didn't help the team as much as you would expect. But, hey, they won the game. It just was a surprise to me that they came out on top when that happened. Yeah, and what really stood out to me was, you know, the Titans had that extra week of preparation. Obviously, that's a huge advantage. But there is sometimes a drawback to teams sitting that extra week. They get just a little bit flat. And certainly that's how Tennessee came out. They really didn't get going there until the second quarter. And even then, they were playing from behind for most of the game. They finally came back and tied it at 16. You know, you talk about Joe Burrow. Go Talk about his strengths. I think he's got that uh, that short memory that you really look for in a quarterback when you get sacked, but you come back and you make a big throw on the next play. That's Joe Burrow. He played tough. And, man, he, he seems like he's really got that it factor when you took – talking about what you're looking for in a franchise quarterback. On the other side of the ball, however, Ryan Tannehill, three interceptions, including the the ill-advised throw that was his third that directly led to the Bengals getting the ball back and then kicking the game-winning field goal. It was, a, it was a terrible time for him to have a bad game. You know, I like Ryan Tannehill. I think he's a good quarterback, and he's done some really good things since coming over to the Tennessee Titans, but he really had a bad game. And ultimately, you know, it's normally not one guy, but I kind of got to pin this one on Tannehill in terms of the Titans because he really had a terrible game. Well, it's a regression, Pete. He threw those three picks and sometimes, you know, I've seen games where quarterbacks throw five picks and their team wins, but they somehow choose the most optimal time to throw the picks. If there's ever a good time to throw a pick, they do it. But as you pointed out, that third pick, it was just a game where he regressed, where he had a team that needed him a little bit more because the running backs were beat up. But I think that uh, I feel bad for him because I agree with you. I think, you know, as a former first round pick, he came to Tennessee, got a fresh start, and it just took a giant step backwards. So I, of all the Tennessee Titans that I feel for, I feel most for him. Yeah, definitely. And I got to give a shout out to the Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson. 22-year-old rookie out of the University of Florida Gators. You got to let it, you got to get it out there, baby. You know, I love my Gators. 
apparently before he went out onto the field to kick that game-winning field goal, he said, I guess we just won because I'm about to nail this field goal. Yeah, it was something something like I got well, I guess we're off to the AFC championship game was what he said. Yeah. And uh I mean, hey, to have that confidence as a young guy and to do that was uh was fantastic. Thankfully for him, he kicked that because if that story ever got out and he missed That's true. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something, as a twenty two year old, you're gonna be living that down for a long time. But yeah. But he hit it, so hey, kudos to him. And uh, and off they go to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, he seems to have a bit of that Justin Tucker swagger. You just don't want to have that Mike Vanderjet swagger. You want to just stick with the with the Justin Tucker swagger. Well, which I think he there's a difference between cockiness and swagger. That's cockiness right. is when you just you know you got your head in the clouds all the time, but yeah. when you're you're making kicks, then you can have swagger. That there, there's a difference there. <laughs> Absolutely. And Evan McPherson, just to give you his line, four for four on his field goals, including two over 50 yards, one of which was the game winner, a 52-yard field goal. The Bengals, the Hooday Nation, off to the AFC Championship game. We'll circle back to that game a little later on. But let's move into the San Francisco 49ers Green Bay Packers game. Hey, we're going to say this for every game, a tight game, a defensive game, which the Niners ended up winning 13-10. to They bounce the Green Bay Packers out. Both number one seeds in the conferences are out. What do you make of this one? Well, this, I mean, everybody knows this was special teams. I mean, this is where special teams changed the whole vibe of this game and gave the, the 49ers, because really, what did the 49ers do when you look at it? What what did they do? They did nothing, right? They didn't move the ball. They when they did, they would bog down on drives. There was nothing. It, it, it's that that misnomer that we often forget about. It's called special teams. It is a facet of the game that's very important. And they came through when they needed to and made a huge, huge play to uh, to basically put them in a position to win the game. And um, I I just think you know the cold obviously it looked like. For the receivers, they were catching bricks. Like all, like Kittle, it didn't matter who it was. Like when the ball was coming into these guys, they couldn't get their hands on it. And it would just hit them and just bounce off like a like a brick. So, I mean, the cold definitely had a... And you would expect the cold to have an effect on, on this game. But, um, hey, something had to come through for somebody because nobody was doing anything on either side of the ball. And the special teams of the San Francisco 49ers did it. And that's why they're going off to the, the championship game. Yeah, you know, they came into the playoffs hot. Obviously, they knocked off your Cowboys in the first round. And I have to admit that early on in the game, you know, I, I, I start to prepare my notes and I start, I start to pull together narratives and things of that nature. And I couldn't help but notice that on the first drive alone, Aaron Rodgers hit Devontae Adams three times uh, as they marched down the field for an opening score. They went up 7-0 early, and I thought back to the Niners-Cowboys game when the Cowboys could not find a way to get C.D. Lamb the ball, and I thought, you know, this is the difference between a winning team and a losing team, is can you get your star players the ball, and if not, can you, you know, can you do what Josh Allen did, really, in uh, in the AFC game there, where they the defense takes away digs, and uh, he makes stars at everybody else. It's got to be one or the other. But after that, you know, the game really slowed down for both teams, and I felt my, I could, you could almost feel it. You know, it was, it was tangible. You could almost taste it that the longer the Niners hung around, the longer that this game remained a one score game, the more momentum was slowly but surely moving, moving closer to the 49ers. And sure enough, they hung around long enough and then Green Bay couldn't come back. I don't know. I don't know what to say because I know there's 49ers or there I know there's Packers fans, excuse me, that are so upset at the way things went down and my goodness, you have to be bitterly disappointed if you're a Packers fan. They had a complete team this year and they really messed it up. Well, but were they complete because I mean they they dealt with a fair number of injuries. I mean, they, they on the offensive line. I think the fact that that Aaron Rodgers was was playing the level that he did was putting them on a echelons that could be looked upon as false, if you know what I mean. Because I mean, he was that good. The one game that he didn't play because of COVID, you saw, I think, more about the true nature of this team as a whole. When you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, he can carry. 
he can carry a team. I mean, Tom Brady as well can mm-hmm. do this. This is the type of, of, of tier quarterback, the upper tier quarterback. And I think that, um, you know, he just didn't have a whole lot of help after the first quarter. It, it, it's a disappointment because they should be built for this type of weather. You know, from the first quarter on, it was downhill. It was downhill for them, and they never could put it together. They never could get anything sustained. And as you've already mentioned, it was just chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away for the 49ers until, boom, the cannon went off on the big play on special teams, and that was it. So, yeah, I think a disappointment for the Green Bay Packers because they've been disguising their weaknesses so well for the whole season. And so you're thinking, okay, first seed at home, in, in the divisional playoff, let's continue doing what we're, we've been doing. And unfortunately for them, they weren't able to do so. Yeah, and really, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have a great game either. So it was there for the taking. I guess you could say that for either team. But especially, as you, you mentioned for the Packers, everything in their favor, the home game in the cold with an extra week rest. They weren't totally healthy. That Bakhtiari, the, the star Left tackle was still out, but they got they had Zadarius Smith back. They had Zaire Alexander back on the defensive side of the ball. Ah, I, I don't know. It, it just stings. And people have been talking about how you know they've they've gone from generational quarterback in Brett Favre to generational quarterback in Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. over the span of how many years? I think it's like thirty years. Yeah, and they've only got two Super Bowls to show for it. Yeah, you think it there. There's a failure on the part of the organization here, or a failure on the part of the team, the coaches, like. What, what do you think is going on here? Well, I think especially because, listen, Brett Favre was a great quarterback, but I think, to me, Aaron Rodgers was a step above that. And so when you've had that type of talent under center for so many years, and not only did they only win one, they only ever went to one. So it's good that they won the one they went to. Yeah, You know what I mean? But that's a lot of years of only going to one. And hey, if you're the Detroit Lions, you're saying, well, what's wrong with that? Like, you know, they never <laughs> sniffed an NFC championship game, you know, since 1991. But but the point is, when you've got that talent, and it, and it only hasn't been Aaron Rodgers for a long time. Like, they've had a good receiving core for practically the majority, if not all, of his career in Green Bay. You yes, go to the true. list of names of, of the receivers they've had. Yep. And they've never been void of receivers. And and I think a lot of the times he makes the middle-of-the-road receivers that much better. And so, yeah, I think it's a disappointment that they only ever went to one Super Bowl. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a shame because you don't have Aaron Rodgers come through your door every time you turn around. And, uh, and they'll, they'll look back on this time. And I know they realize that now, but they'll realize it even more when they look back in the future. Yeah, I think there's a lot of regret in that building right now. Uh, as to how things have played out, not just this year, but in recent uh, history. And we'll get back into the the future of the Packers uh, in a few minutes here. But let's first go to the L.A. Rams-Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, a game that I think I was looking forward to more than just about any other game this weekend prior to. You know, the Rams were one of the preseason favorites, as were the Bucs, reigning Super Bowl champions, of course. Coming into this one, Another game decided on the last play of the game, a Matt Gay field goal for the Rams wins it 30 to 27. But what, what, what did you think about this one? Because it looked like the Rams were really going to run away with it. Well, they were, they were going to run away until they decided to turn it over four times. The only team that was going to beat the Rams, in my opinion, this past Sunday were the LA Rams, because even the Brady led Buccaneers were not capable of doing it. They were in disarray. They, it, it, it's almost like uh, what Super Bowl was it? The Falcons and the uh, the Patriots all over again. Oh yeah. I mean, the Patriots had no business winning the game, but the they the, the Bucks, really did. Uh, the, the sorry, the Falcons decided, hey, do you want to play? Do you want? Do you want? <laughs> here, here you go. You know, a lot of a lot of silliness, and and I, I just, it was almost like the the Rams uh, 49ers last game of the season. You know the the Rams go up seventeen nothing there, and that was a little bit different to me in the in this sense is that yes they could have solidified a higher seed, but I just think that you know yeah we're up seventeen nothing in that game and you know they just stopped playing because they didn't have a whole lot to play for and they and they got burned because they were playing a team that had everything to play for, and then this week you you can't give them that excuse because they just stopped playing they. 
they started. Like, they're very lucky to win this game. They turned the ball over four times. And there's no business at all for the, the, the Buccaneers to be back in this game. But good on them. Good on them. I'll say this. You know, you, you messed up and you, you, you really did everything you could do to lose. But at the last second, you pull it out. And uh, I, I give them credit for that. But, but it should not never have been this close. Yeah, it really shouldn't have. The Rams came out and absolutely had the perfect start. You know, they they were locked and loaded. They were focused. They were executing brilliantly. Matt Stafford had a heck of a football game. You know, he made maybe one or two mistakes. Other than that, he was throwing the ball all over the field. Looked great. He's very quickly shutting up the critics that wondered, you know, if he had any business in the playoffs. You know, if he could take his team to the next level in the playoffs after being with the Lions for so long and not having to deal with the pressure of the situation. Well, what does he do? He goes head-to-head with Tom Brady. And not only does he come out on top, it has to be said, but he outplayed Tom Brady. And as you said, the Bucks had no business even being in this game. And it wasn't just the four turnovers. We talked about, you know, the opportune turnovers. These turnovers happened at the worst possible moments, you know. The Rams are about to go in for another touchdown right at the end of the first half. Oh, that was huge. Would have made that it 27 to 3 at the half. Yep. Akers puts it on the ground right at the one yard line, lets Tampa Bay off the hook. And there's a big difference between 27 to 3 and 20 to 3. Let oh, listen, that when that happened, when that happened, you know, the family was watching and I said, that is going to turn out to be an absolutely huge thing. Yeah. Because it's 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 not only points off the board, but it's a huge momentum boost coming out and say, yeah, it's bad boys, but it could have been a whole lot worse. Great play to, you know, you know, it, it gave them something of, of hope as they went into halftime. That's just it. Yeah. They get into the room, they rally the troops, they say, Look, we just gotta stop there at the goal line. Uh we're back in this game. Let's go. Yeah, that was that of all the four turnovers, that was the worst. That just you can't do that. That was you know, you, you can't ever do that, but you don't do that in the playoffs. I, I've said it already, but I'll say it again. You've turned the ball over four times and you won the game. I don't get that. Yeah. They're very fortunate because uh they would have added to the lore of Tom Brady, but come on, like oh, that 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 was they cannot do that again, and I, I trust this week will be a focus for them to say, you know, the we've proven that the only team that can beat us is us, so let's yeah. not do that. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And, you know, you think, too, the Cooper Cup, who has not put a foot wrong all season long, uh, as mentioned uh, in the in the broadcast, he's the Triple Crown winner, catches yards, re- uh, receiving touchdowns. He led the NFL in all of those categories. He's a tremendous blocker, just a real gamer. I mean, you you want to put on anybody's tape to your kid and say, "Play like Cooper Cup." You play like that guy. You want to you want to show him Cooper Cup's tape, right? And for when he put the ball in the ground, I thought you got to be kidding me. This is just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I what agree. is going on? This is a bit of the bizarro world now. With if Cooper Cup is fumbling the football, you know something's in the air. And you know, I'll, I'll give Brady credit for that one touchdown pass to Mike Evans. It was on a rope. He read the defense. Uh, I think uh, Chris Collinsworth called it. He said that they actually shifted the defense over to Scotty Miller because he was seeing a lot of the ball. Left Mike Evans one-on-one with Jalen Ramsey. Great battle on the outside. Evans gets behind him, and Brady put it right on him. Perfect pass. But at the end of the day, another defensive breakdown uh, for the Bucks. There was a couple of them. Cooper Cup had two deep catches. That last one, just couldn't believe it. I don't know that Stafford could believe it. You know, he he gets away from the pressure. He looks downfield, and there's Cooper Cup wide open right down the middle. I mean, he just couldn't believe it. No, and especially with everything that had gone against them, you know, for so much of that game, and to catch that break so late in the game, that was fortuitous for for the Rams. Yeah, you know, like I just think that there are – they're more of a complete team on both sides of the ball. And as a, as a result, uh, I think the, the turnovers we've already said um, made this game close, but this should have been won by at least 10 points. And so I think, I think there's uh, number one, they won the game, but number two, I think they've, they've probably learned a very valuable lesson here. And I think it could serve them well going forward. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see how, how it does, how they do moving forward. But uh, on the flip side of that, with the Bucks and the Packers out, 
Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are both out of this year's playoffs, and questions about their collective futures are now at the forefront. Of course, with Tom Brady in terms of retirement, will he retire, won't he retire? Uh, in terms of Aaron Rodgers, is, is he sticking around in Green Bay? Do you have a sense as to what's going to happen with either of these two guys? I would say the way I'm looking at it right now for Brady, I would say it's 50-50. I mean, we just, you know, he just lost a game. So that's sitting in your craw and, and the wife is saying, I don't like it when you're getting hit and you're not, you know, and a lot of these things. But two weeks from now, I think he might be singing a different tune because I don't think he likes so much how he went out. I would say right now, 50-50, two weeks time, I say it might be 55-45 that he's staying around for, for one more year. Um, the way I'm looking at the Packers situation with Aaron Rodgers, I have tremendous respect for the talent of Aaron Rodgers, no doubt. I just don't think that Aaron Rodgers, the person, is somebody that's being a positive influence in that locker room. Mm. When you watch Aaron Rodgers in a game and on the bench, I don't think he's coachable at all. When coaches are trying to talk to him, he's just sitting there in a daze. You see somebody in his ear with the iPad. He's just looking straight forward and just ignoring them. And he's developed to me anyway. I could be wrong, but to me, Aaron Rodgers has developed this diva type attitude where I don't do anything wrong and we're losing. It's your fault. This is just the attitude I think he's promoting. So I'd be very interested to know really what is the feel. I know Devontae Adams loves him. I, I understand that. But are there other players in that room that are wanting to follow Aaron Rodgers? Yes, they respect his talent, but mm. are they fed up with the attitude? Are they fed up with, you know, this, this idea like, oh, I could host Jeopardy and be a quarterback. And uh, there's just all this stuff that personally for me, it turns me off. It turns me off. I think for the betterment, honestly, the betterment of the Packers organization, it's time to move on from them. Really? Because I just think that in the long run, I think they're, they're going to be a less valuable. They're going to be maybe a non-playoff team next year if that were to be the case. But you do have a, a first-round pick that sat on the bench for two years. And you got to find out, you know, give him some consistency to see is Jordan Love the guy. Because – Stay or go, Aaron Rodgers is 38. And I don't think he's in the shape of a Tom Brady. I don't think he's going to last as long as a Tom Brady. He's engaged, as I understand it. So is that going to change his attitude when he gets married maybe this summer? I just think, as I said, for for the if I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, and I'm not, I just look at it as an outsider, and I'd say, time to get going. Time, time to move on. And, and so I think, I think they're saying right now, the Packers are saying, oh, we're, we're unified that we want to keep them. Yep. I think they're saying behind the scenes, well, if he goes, that's okay. Yeah, it may turn out. I think if I'm looking at, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I, I do agree with a lot of what you said, you know, I, I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is the inspirational type uh, in terms of his leadership. I don't think as great a competitor as he is, I don't see that will to win being there as it is in some of the other guys. You mentioned Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady has one of the, the greatest wills to win of any player and certainly any quarterback that's ever played the game. I'm not sure it's quite there for Rod. I'm not saying who's a better quarterback. I don't want to get into all that. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm thinking about my future now, I have to decide, do I want to stay in Green Bay? And if I'm going to go, where am I going to go? Because you don't want to leave if you don't know where you're going. Now, with Brady, ironically, it was a bit different. The Patriots basically said, you're done here. And that decision was made. And then Brady had to sit down and say, okay, what are my options? Where am I going to go? And he picked the darn best option that you could pick. A complete team, great coach, great offensive strategy, great receivers, great defense, and, and an offensive line that they really invested in to get them at the level that they needed to be. Of course, they won the Super Bowl right away. So that's the type of thing that Aaron Rodgers needs to be looking at if he's going to move. I don't know how many of these positions are there. I mean, there's some interesting ones. Pittsburgh, maybe. Denver, maybe. They're not Tampa Bay, but they're not, you know, you can make an argument that you put Aaron Rodgers on either two of those teams and, you know, they, they can make some noise, certainly. But He's got to be convinced of the whole project. His whole thing is that, hey, 
even after all these years, I have no say in Green Bay. I want to say, you know, you didn't, you drafted a quarterback instead of drafting me a wide receiver. What's up with that? Right now, again, rightly or wrongly, I'm not saying he should have, he shouldn't have, but if that's where he's coming from, you know, that the Packers made some concessions. He wanted some help at the wide receiver position. They brought back Randall Cobb to help him out, an old buddy of his that he had a good chemistry with. Okay. So maybe they're smoothing things over behind the scenes there, but there's still a lot to work out for both. And it's really tough to see to say one way or the other where he's going to go. In terms of Tom Brady, I think Brady's looking at the Bucks roster. And, you know, Bruce Arians has already said, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading. <laughs> but, you know, we all know Bruce Arians is a brash-talking, big confidence type of a guy. And obviously he wants to convince Brady that their window to win is still open. But Brady knows. He's smart enough to see. He can see the writing on the wall. That's an aging team. And they're probably going to lose Chris Godwin in free agency. The players are not getting any younger on both sides of the ball. Gronk has already said he's undecided about next year, which is basically code for I'm going to wait till Tom makes his decision. (laughs) So, you know, there's a lot of pieces here. I think that would be that, I know Tom Brady's obviously going to talk about the family, but he's a competitor and, you know, it hasn't stopped him in the past. He's, I'm not saying he's putting his family to the side per se, but he's, he's been comfortable enough with this situation for long enough. And if he really wants to go for another ring, I think he's going to do it. However, if he thinks that next year's team is going to be worse than this year's team, does he really want to? And, and again, it's, you wouldn't think he's won what? I don't even know. I lost track of how many Super Bowls he's Seven, won. Seven, I think, right? Seven. Yeah. So you wouldn't think that his, he's thinking about his legacy because it's already cemented in the NFL, but maybe he's thinking about it. Maybe he's thinking as bad as this loss was, it could actually get even worse next year. And do I want to go out that way? And then, you know, be thinking all next year, next year, I can't keep doing that. He's got a real decision to make here. Oh no, I, I I agree, Pete. I, I, I think it's just, it's the wrong time to ask a guy, what are you thinking? The, the second after you lose. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that that's that's where, you know, oh, now the speculation is really high that, that Brady's going to retire. Well, yeah, right now, if he was going to, if he, somebody said you have to make the decision this second, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's what would probably be the case. But it's not the case. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him back next year. Uh, it's a real toss-up, I think. But, okay, let's, uh, let's go then to perhaps the crown jewel of the entire weekend's events and that is Kansas City Chiefs knocking out for the second straight year the Buffalo Bills 42 to 36 in overtime I don't even know where to start with this game it was everything we all expected it to be and so much more well yeah it was unbelievable right you can't help but feel and again I'm talking as a person that grew up having to watch the Buffalo Bills in the 80s and 90s because of, uh, what do you call it, um, on TV, uh, regional play. All I had, I got to see every Sunday was this terrible Buffalo team in the 80s that turned me right off that organization. Yes, they got to be a very, very good football team in the 90s. I still really dislike them. Uh, you just can't help but feel for the fans. Like I honestly feel worse off for the Buffalo Bills fans than I do the Toronto Maple Leafs fans. If, if you, you know, you want to do a comparison, like for people who are listening, they probably know what I'm talking about. That's a bit of sacrilege, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, man, oh man, like just flat out entertaining football. If somebody said, well, what's football about? I, I would put that videotape in the machine and say, watch this, watch this. Because it was a great game. It was great talent. It was back and forth. It was just everything and more that you would want out of a football game. And the only thing I would say negatively about it is the fact that the ugly head of NFL overtime, and and I know we're going to talk about this, it just just left a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, they went back and forth all game, didn't they? Uh, Oh. (laughs) <laughs> just oh man i i mean just just they they did they really did i mean it just was it's just like in some of the throws that mahomes was making on his angle throws again you know going around the body of a defensive lineman and just the poise of uh of, of the buffalo bills team as a whole but then you know when number 17 had the ball you just had this feel 
that he could do it. You know, it wasn't, it was, yeah, it's third and 17 or it's fourth and a bunch, but it's not over yet. It's not over yet because they haven't snapped the ball and until the play's over, they've, they've got a shot. Yeah. Well, let's just recap just the, the, the events of the fourth quarter. You know, the, the Chiefs scored a, a field goal midway through the fourth quarter to go up 26 to 21. That's how it stayed until the two-minute warning, at which point, coming out of that, Josh Allen hits Gabriel Davis for a 27-yard touchdown pass. They go up 29-26. Less than a minute later, <laughs> Mahomes has taken the Chiefs down the field. He's hit Tyreek Hill for a 64-yard touchdown pass. They go back up 33-29 to with just over a minute left, a minute and two seconds. Then, with 13 seconds left on the clock, Josh Allen hits Gabriel Davis again, his fourth touchdown. Gabriel Davis, new uh, NFL record, does something not even Jerry Rice has done. Four touchdowns in one game. The Bills go back up 36 to 33 with 13 seconds left. And I, I have to admit, at this point, I thought it was over. Because, I mean, 13 seconds, I don't care who's at quarterback, 13 seconds is 13 seconds. But wouldn't you know... Mahomes hits Kelsey down the seam for a big gain. They add on, and Butker kicks a 49-yard field goal, ties it at 36. They go into overtime. The Chiefs get the ball, as we all know, and they go right down the field, and Mahomes hits Kelsey for the game winner. Uh, You couldn't look away in the last two minutes of game time and, and overtime. It was just edge of your seat, gripping stuff. It was. Everything and more that you wanted of a football game, and I, I really think what it comes down to was the Buffalo Bills outthought themselves. There was two two separate times where they called timeout. They watched the KC offense line up, and they called timeout. What they decided to do with 13 seconds to go was the wrong thing. And of course, hindsight's 2020. It's easy for me to sit here and say this now, but with 13 seconds to go. You want, obviously, for them to waste time. And the whole game long, when they were rushing four guys, they had, I don't want to say minimal effect, but it, was, it wasn't much more than minimal effect. So I know it would have been radical, but the most you want to rush is three. And I've seen it done before where they only rush two. Because when you put nine back, you blanket everything. And, and you, you have the quarterback. And you what, what I've seen teams do is put their two, whoever they may be, their two Tasmanian Devils in the A and B gap on either side of center. And the coaches say to them, listen, on the snap of the ball, you only have to be there for one play, but don't give up. You fall down, get up, just keep going. Like, rush the gap. Like, put some sort of pressure on. And what that is doing is that Mahomes has got to worry about these two guys because he feels a little bit of pressure. But everywhere he's looking, there's a white shirt, white shirt, white shirt. Where do I do what I do? And he's only got 13 seconds, Yeah. right? So he, he doesn't have, you know, great if he wants to sit back there for six because that's what you want him to do. You know what I mean? Yep. To allow him to throw such a quick pass on first down and gain so many yards it really messed things up. And and it really, to me, the Buffalo Bills lost because they overthunk it. They just didn't understand. Let him waste time. Let him waste time. Make him use nine seconds on first down. But how many seconds did you use? Five seconds and gained all those yards. Yeah. And hey, it's, it's tough, isn't it, too? I mean, it's the Chiefs represent a pick-your-poison offense. You can't just say we're going to shut down Tyreek Hill because they've got Travis Kelsey. You know, you can't just shut down Kelsey because you've got Hill and then you've got all these other guys that they sprinkle in and Andy Reid's offensive genius, it has to be said. He knows how to get guys open in his offense. It doesn't matter if they're a name player or not. So, you know, Michael Hardman had a couple of huge plays for them this game. They're just so tough to beat. The Bills, even as a Dolphins fan, I can say the Bills put forth a tremendous effort uh, at the end of the game, both defenses were completely gassed, and uh, I think it was predictable at the end of the day, whoever won the coin toss was going to go down and win the game. Yeah, I heard a stat, some of the guys that are in, involved in this podcast and, and engaged in this podcast have pointed out that in the 11 overtime games, playoff overtime games, the team that gets the ball first has won 10 out of those 11. So 10 and, and 1. Is, it, that's right. That, and isn't that a telling fact? Isn't that is. enough? That one stat... I, I had heard that before you mentioned it here tonight, but that one stat says 
enough of this playoff overtime format. It's wrong when you have a game like we witnessed and in overtime, Josh Allen isn't allowed to, to step on the field. That's wrong. That's yep. just that's just wrong for football. And as I said, I had no emotional attachment to who won this football game. But to enjoy football as a as a fan and just be mesmerized by this game. Like like I don't care what's going on, is everybody still breathing? Don't bother me because I'm watching this game. And then for it to end like that, I just it's just wrong. It, yeah. I don't know how else to put it. And I think most everyone outside of Kansas City would definitely agree that the overtime rules need to be changed. In fact, I think a lot of people in Kansas City well, because they, they experienced it in eighteen, right? Yeah, they, they were in the same boat. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's wrong for yeah. Patrick Mahomes to be on the bench and never see the field in overtime. Yeah, and that's what they experienced in eighteen. So they know they know it should be it should be changed. They they don't have to be convinced. Right. So what do you think? If the NFL is going to consider changes here. What, what what would you do to change the overtime format to make it both competitive and entertaining and fair? Well, listen, I think the best format, I'm not 100% sure how they do it in NCAA, but I know it's very, very similar to what the CFL does. And I know what the CFL does is they line up offense against defense on the 35-yard line. And if you score a touchdown, you have to go for two points. So what I'm saying is you take special teams completely out of it. You just line up, you know, in, in the NFL's case, of course, it's 11 on 11. You play football and you go back and forth until, and I, to me, that doesn't get any better than that. I really enjoy watching that overtime format. I think it's, it's entertaining. It's, it's truly football and it's great. I, I love it. I, I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I, I enjoy, I'm not a big uh, college football fan like you are. But when there is overtime in NCAA, I enjoy it. I think yep. it's great. And I don't know why in the world we're sitting here talking about that the NFL doesn't do that. I, I don't know what they have against it. I really don't see how they think what they're doing, even regular season, is better than that. Because to me, it's not. Yeah, I think the best point that I've heard so far, and this is actually from one of our other co-hosts, Eric Radicek, is that the game has changed. You know, they've made all these alterations to the rules to favor the offense. By the end of the games, these defenses are completely gassed, you know, and, and they really don't stand much of a chance. So you might as well run with it. Understand that that's the case. Now, if I'm a defensive player, of course, I'm going to say, you know, we're, we got to batten down the hatches and do our job. There's something to be said for that. But the game has changed. It's offensive-minded, entertainment. You at least got to let the offenses go at it. Is it perfect? No. Are penalty shootouts perfect in other sports? No, but you know it's the better option. You know it, because the game has to end. You can't just have continuous overtime because it you know it's going to fatigue the players beyond measure. The risk of injury is there. It takes up more time. It's it's not an option, realistic option, I think. But set them up on the thirty yard line, the forty yard line, whatever you want to do. Just let them trade shots. I think that's a great one. I did hear. I I can't remember if this was the Baltimore Ravens idea from a couple of years ago. But someone came up with the idea that one team gets to choose where the ball is placed on the field of play, and the other team gets to decide if they want to take the ball or if they want to defend. So if a team says the ball goes on your own 20-yard line, then the other team can either say, okay, we'll take the ball on our own 20, or you can have the ball on your 20-yard line. Yes. I kind of like that idea because it there's strategy there. Yes, it, it there's a little nuance to it. I agree. But the thing is... If you take that idea and still say, okay, the team that has possession first goes down and scores a touchdown, it's over, I still don't like it. I, I yeah. like the concept, mm -hmm. but it's 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 incomplete. It's yeah. an incomplete concept. Because it, it's just like to me, Josh Allen, you know, he is through for three hundred and twenty nine yards and four TDs and did a whole bunch of other fun stuff, you know, rushed rushed for sixty eight yard yeah. sixty eight more. And guess what? You go over there and you sit down in the front row and you watch is basically what they said. Yeah. And I don't think that does justice for anyone, let alone the two teams playing. Yeah. Well said. And uh, I, I do hope that this off season, I, I think the overtime rules should be front and center this off season for oh, the NFL. Pete, if they're not, they, uh, I just, I would love to hear, I've never heard the argument as to why they keep doing this. What, what, what's the point? 
Well, it's. I think a lot of it is comes down to traditionalists, right? This wow. is the way it's always been done, and right. but it, know, it hasn't always been done this way because they changed right. it in 2010. <laughs> That's true, and that change was slow to come too, though. Whoa, that was. <laughs> I just, I just don't understand it because it's funny, you know. Just the last point I'll make on this: I thought it had changed for playoffs. I thought both teams were able to, you know, like the game did not end unless both offenses had a chance to possess the football. So I was shocked. I didn't realize, like, really? This is playoffs, though. This is not regular season. Yeah. So it, it's a disappointment to me. It, it's, a, it's a bad, bad way to end a football game, especially a game that will be talked about forever. It, it, will, it will, you know, I watched the, uh, the catch game on the NFL Network two weeks ago, and that game, when our kids are our age, We'll be watching that game on NFL Network. Oh, I guarantee 100%. you. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's the caliber of the game that it was. It's an instant classic, no doubt. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of debate around it, but I don't want to take away from the fact that it was a fantastic football game. Credit to both teams, really. Of course, it's the Chiefs that are moving on. And, and let's shift now into a preview of the AFC and NFC Championship game. Let's start in the AFC. We're right there. Kansas City, Cincinnati. I don't think many people had the Bengals in the AFC Championship game before this season started. I'm not sure many people had them there once the playoffs started, but here they are. Can they go all the way? Can they go one more, another upset, and get themselves to the Super Bowl? Can they do it? I think we've mentioned, or I mentioned before in this podcast, that the beautiful thing about um, Wild Card Weekend back in the day, I'm talking around the 80s, was there was always a Cinderella team that that started at that point, and of course we didn't have that this year. But this is kind of what you've got here with really both visiting teams in the championship games this this weekend, more so for the Bengals and the 49ers. But I think old Cinderella loses her slippers this weekend. I don't honestly think they have a whole lot of a chance. I really don't. I think it will be kudos to them if they don't lose by more than 10 points. Mm. I, I don't I don't see it. I, I think they might be eaten up pretty badly by, by Kansas City. I don't I don't expect this to be much of a game in my opinion. Okay. Well I'm, I'm gonna take the opposite view on this one. I, I do it in fact I'm not not in terms of winners necessarily, but I absolutely expect this to be a game because I think at this stage, you know, any team that's in it truly believes that they can do it. You know, Cincinnati, they've been, you've been hearing the words, why not us? You know, the, that's, the, that's the cry of the underdog always. But Joe Burrow's taking that one further and saying, no, 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 we're not underdogs. We are le- a legitimately a good team. And, and maybe they are, or maybe they're just super high on confidence. Uh, we may find out the answer this Sunday. But I think the Bengals' defense has been vastly underrated throughout the season. They have come up with some big-time victories throughout the course of the regular season and the playoffs. They've knocked off the Titans, who are the one seed on the road. You know, nobody seems to be able to stop Jamar Chase. And Joe Burrow is is just lights out. I mean, I, I really do think this is going to be a close game. Will the Bengals pull it off? I, I, I'd be honestly, I'd just be really, really surprised. Because I, I think that they played a good defense in the Titans this past weekend and they got sacked nine times and I don't still understand how they won, but they did. And I think they're playing against a better defense this weekend. And I think that they're not going to get sacked six times and win this game because as good as their defense has been, they're now playing against some could argue that the Titans is, well, yeah, you could argue this past Sunday, the Titans were more one dimensional with the run because Tannehill didn't play well. That's why I'm saying that. And here, oh man, the weapons that, no, I I will be honestly very, very surprised if Casey doesn't win by at least 10, at least 10. I think they're going to dominate the Bengals. I think they're confident and I, I give them credit for where they've gotten to, but I think it comes to an end. I really do because after, the only thing that's going to stop stop Kansas City in this game is Kansas City. And that's going to be that letdown from such an emotional, crazy game this past Sunday. And if they're not prepared, but I don't think Andy Reid is going to allow this team to go in and be unprepared. I think I think it's going to be uh, – I don't expect it to be close from the beginning. Well, I, I'll, I'll stick with you on the bottom line. I do think the Chiefs will come away with the win. 
But I, you know, I disagree on the on the defensive side. I think the Titans' defense is better than the Chiefs. So, uh, you know, I I think the Bengals could certainly move the ball against the Chiefs. It's for me, it all comes down to that defense and whether or not they can just hold up the Chiefs long enough to stay in the game. But that's why we watch the games, right? Why, it's, you, it's, you, you <laughs> took the words right about this is why they play the game, right? This yeah. is why they play the game, and so it, it's going to be interesting. So they, I give full credit to the Bengals because they've gotten to where they've gotten to. And you, you got to give them full credit. Going into Tennessee and winning is no small feat. And they're building something there in Cincinnati, without a doubt. They are doing that. I just think they need at least a year or two until they're at that level. But hey, as we said, this is why they play the game. They're, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one saying this about them. And they would love to show people who they are. And so we'll see how that goes. We will see. Uh, let's move over then to the NFC side and, uh, we've got the Rams and the 49ers division rivals who will be facing off for the third time this year. The 49ers somewhat surprisingly have won both matchups, but here they are in the NFC championship game. Do you see the Rams getting over on their rivals this time or will San Francisco make it three and O against the Rams this year? They know after four turnovers last week, after what they did against this very same San Francisco team in the last game of the regular season, what not to do. And they're capable of doing exactly what we've seen them do. They, they Listen, they are a potent team on both sides of the ball. Vaughn Miller's he- healthy now. I don't think he was 100% yet in that last game of the regular season. And you put him on there with big old 99 and, the, and those are two guys that we talk about all the time, but there's more elements to that Ram defense than just the two of them. I would, again, not be surprised in the slightest if the Rams win by at least 10 points. I will be shocked beyond belief if the 49ers are in the Super Bowl, which means they beat the Rams. Yeah, I really struggle to think that Jimmy Garoppolo could go back to the Super Bowl again. I just, you know, he's just not there. His 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 career has started off bright and then slowly been in decline ever since. I just don't think he can lead his team past the Rams. I, I really don't see it. I think the Rams will make the Niners one-dimensional and that that will hurt them. I think the Rams, as you said, they're a complete team. Von Miller is healthy and Odell Beckham looks like his old self. Oh, you know, listen. He's got he's, some he's spring in his motivated. step. He's motivated, and, and and he's getting all his money in Bitcoin, which is going down the chute right now. So he's not he's not he's not in it for the money. Playing really well, and he adds such a dimension to that team that already was loaded on offense. And listen, as long as they don't turn it over, as long as they don't beat themselves, they are capable of being dominant. You know, when we look at Matt Stafford. We look at a guy that had to carry mediocre teams for so long. And that wears on you. I think that truly wears on you. And now he's put in a position where he can be part of a group. He can be a complementary piece in a very, very positive light and do the things that he's doing. When I say complementary, I'm not saying he's just a, a single piece. He's a very important piece where he doesn't have to be perfect every time he turns around. And when we're talking for four turnovers last week, he didn't commit one of them, right? It wasn't him. So nope. I really think that you could kind of put the Cinderella label on both of these visiting teams this year um, in the championship game, San Francisco and Cincinnati. I think for me, Cincinnati holds more of that moniker than San Francisco because I don't know what to make of these guys. They just all of a sudden come out of nowhere. But I will say this, I just don't see either visiting team winning this week. Yeah, well, I, I'll agree with you. I think the Rams are, are good to go, and I think the Chiefs will, will meet them there. But again, we, we will see. That's why they play the games. Yeah, I like the Rams. Uh, I can't see Garoppolo and the Niners beating the Rams for a third time this season. In fact, as happy as they are to be in the NFC Championship game, I think the team they least want to see there is the Rams and say, oh, not these guys again. <laughs> we try to beat these guys again. Uh, so, man, we'll see. Before we sign off, I just want to go uh, a few minutes on our purely pigskin football pool, the playoff challenge on NFL.com. 14 guys in the pool. Our new top three, we've got Zach in first place with 361 points. Yours truly in second with 335 
And uh, a guy after my own heart, his team name is Zach Thomas, 54 Hall of Fame. So whoever that is uh, must be a fellow Dolphins fan, or at least he knows a good football player when he sees one. He's got 333 points in third place. And uh, I got to say, though, too, it was just, we're only halfway through this thing. A lot of guys did not get the memo. I sent out a message to everyone saying, hey, just make sure you read the settings because each week a guy stays on your team, he incurs a, a multiplier on his stats, double, triple, quadruple, if you have them from start to finish. And a lot of people change their lineups for the second week, even though their players won in week one of the playoffs. So uh, they're losing points there. We'll see how it shakes out. But the other thing I'm surprised at is I am the only one in the pool that went in heavy on the LA Rams which really surprises me. There was a lot of stake in Buffalo, Green Bay, Kansas City. Nobody other than a few guys taking Cooper Cup. Nobody took any L.A. Rams. Half my roster is L.A. Rams. So hopefully they can carry me to the championship here. But we'll see. Like I said, we're only halfway there, Colin. Listen, I'm not in the pool. And if I were you, I'd be feeling pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I I just will say that I think, yeah, I think it's the Rams time, my friend. I I do. I just have so much respect what that organization did this last offseason where they looked at their team and they said, you know, we've got a really good team, but I'm not sure about this quarterback. And it's going to cost us, but I think we can get a guy that I feel really good can take us to where we need to go. And they went and did it. Mm -hmm. And they're in the NFC Championship game, and I think they're going to be in the Super Bowl. So I give them credit. Kudos to them because how many many organizations in the NFL look at a, a roster like they have and say, I just don't feel 100% in the quarterback position. And we're talking about a guy who has already taken them to the Super Bowl and was the number one pick. And for them to, to have that analysis, that self-analysis, and be honest with themselves and do something about it, man, I, I really have respect for that organization. I agree with you 100%. And even though they acquired Matt Stafford in a different way to the, the way the Bucks got Brady, it's very similar otherwise. You know, Brady coming into a team that was ready to win, they just needed that final piece. He comes in and they go right to the Super Bowl and win it in his first year. I definitely could see that exact same thing happening for Stafford in the Rams here. Matt Stafford, man, the guy the guy is so gifted. The way he throws the football, the way he, his his whole motion, the where he puts the football. I just think it's going to be a great story when the season comes to an end. We will see how things go. I can't wait to talk about these games uh, on the other side with you. Uh, thank you so much once again for being on, my friend, and I'll look forward to next week. I'll look forward to the action, as we all will. And then look forward to breaking it all down with you next week. That'll be awesome, Pete. I, I, hey, it's playoff football, man. This is this is a lot of fun. Let's go, baby, and let's hope that uh, this week's games are as good as the ones we just watched. Until then, take her easy. <laughs>